Hey there, you film fans. My name is Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical. Hell yeah. We talk positively about movies. None of these stuffy critic podcasts here. We love, 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 love to love movies, people. So every time we say something negative or stupid about a film, you're going to hear this sound. That means... You'll hear it in a second. <laughs> that sound. Wait wait for it. Wait for the sound. There it is. Oh! That means we're drinking. Apparently that means wine for me tonight, but mostly beer. Oh. And Ooh. you should drink along with us, too. So, boy, sells a glass, and let's give it up for a film we should love and a film that apparently a lot of people didn't love. Did you say a film mm-hmm. we should love? A film that love. Yes. We, we should love a film. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's why right. we're talking about two oh films, God, people. Two films. You saw them in the episode title, but we're going to talk about them after we do our quick round of shout-outs. John! Shout-outs. As always, we have mm-hmm. a beer sponsor. His name is Carlos Barozzo. His handle is Barroso Bar 2019 Check it out on Instagram. That is C-B-A-R-R-O-Z-O-B-A-R-2019. And as always, the music you hear on this episode and every motherfucking episode is provided by the artist Dasein. That is Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. If you're digging the music, head on over to soundcloud.com forward slash Dasein dash artist and you can download everything for free. Get on that shit and download it. We always want to encourage all of our listeners... To please like, love, review, rate, subscribe, fuck us, do whatever the fucking can on all of the all of the handles. It is at the love. Do we, <laughs> do we always encourage our? Uh, I our encourage people to do it. All this those is things? a consensual, positive podcast at the love of cinema pod on every single platform <laughs> except for Twitter. We're just at the love of cinema there. I do want to give a quick thank you, and I'm sure Jeff and Dave will join me. We crossed the 3,000 downloads bar this past week. Yes, we are we now did. sitting right now at 3,199 downloads. Somebody get out there and make it a perfect 3,200 <laughs> yeah, for me, quick. please. Download a show. <laughs> Not only that, yeah. it's show Thank 50. You so much, though. Show 50. We made it to show 50. Show 50. Um, yeah. And also, 50, um, Ryan, who dropped in last week and was one of our co-hosts, I believe it in... It was his birthday in Japan yesterday, so it's his birthday today oh. here in the US. Oh, hey. cheers, Ryan, dude. Congrats, man. Happy Cheers, birthday. Ryan. Oh, my God. I hope he's watching Paddington 3 right now. Is that out? Um, no, it's people... not out. <laughs> okay. But he will. Yes. And, of course, we're we have we're getting some engagements, too, on YouTube and Twitch and elsewhere where you can find our video content if you'd like to see what we look like making this here drinking podcast. And you can watch <laughs> our cheeks redden and our eyes start to yeah, swell up because it's, it's the beer exactly, is very real. Exactly and you wonder why with, with that, the rants that hungry and the rambles start to yeah, happen. With that hungry for your attention, we even have a Discord server. If you're into that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> correct, correct, correct. Yes. So we're going to be on. Um, There's no one in it. On... You could be first. Oh, my. <laughs> we're going to be on Clubhouse soon. Okay. So um, we're going to be talking about The Midnight Sky, directed and star- directed by and starring George Clooney first. And then we are going to be talking about The New Mutants as episode seven of our It Was the Best of Film, It Was the Worst of Film series. This is the series we've been doing where we pair the so-called best films of the year, which may or may not be voted into Oscar categories. Um, And we pair them with uh, potential Razzie films that were not treated so favorably by critics. So we get a little bit of the best and a little bit of the worst of the film year 2020. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's also a way for us to make sure that we remind ourselves that movies did happen in 2020 and uh, talk about them a little bit. Yeah, movies. They managed to make movies in 2020 and people still shat all over them. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was a critically tough year. I mean, how many people watched The Office for the 10th time and then immediately shat on the first movie they saw come out in 2020? Uh, so before we get into it, though, let's do a so quick true. round of what you've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching this week? Um, I had a little bit of a slow week. Um, I, I finally I realized I'd never finished Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, all this uh, mm. inspirational Marvel rewatching I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, go- I'm going through the last season of that. And I, of course... Yesterday they dropped the, or no, Friday they dropped the new episode of WandaVision and everybody lost their motherfucking minds uh, with a catchy tune that gets in everyone's head and was streaming on Twitter for 24 hours. It's, yeah, that, that's a thing. I love it. I love it. Watch the show from the start. If you tuned out, give it a, go back and give it a chance because, oh, God, it gets so good. Nice. Really? Mm. John? Nice. Um, I'm almost done with the West Wing. I started a documentary series on the Comedy Store. The legendary hey. comedy. Yeah, it's kind of like the improv. Started in New York and moved to L.A. And the comedy store started in L.A. And it's kind of like the the watershed. You got to pass through there. It's kind of the uh, law and order SVU of New York actors for comics. <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty cool. Yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. I'm only two episodes in. I also watched uh, another feature documentary on it's called The Cutting Edge. And it kind of discusses the history of film editing and film editors over the ages. It was, it was pretty cool. I enjoyed that as well. Those on stars. Yeah, nice. that's it. <laughs> Those guys that if you piss awesome. them off, they can break your film. Mm-hmm. I've also been listening. <laughs> let me give a quick shout out. I've also been listening to tons and tons and tons of the team Deacons podcast. Um, oh, I think yeah. I'm totally caught up now. So shout out to I'm Roger behind. and James Deacons. That's been very informative, really cool. It's been fun to, make a film list based on some things that they've made and their guests have made. It makes me want to go back and rewatch some stuff. So that's a great podcast for film I'm, lovers. I'm the damn Deacon super fan on the group. How, how are you ahead of me on this thing? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm digging it. Wild. Yeah. Well, I, we had an extra day this week as we recorded Wild. on Saturday last week um, <laughs> for Valentine's day. And so I, it, it's, so this is the 25th anniversary, 25th year anniversary of happy Gilmore, which came out on February 16th, uh. 1996. And my lady friend was not so interested in that. So we watched the beginning of Billy Madison and we're going to finish that probably tonight, which came out, which is basically the 26th anniversary. Cause that came out February of 1995. And I think I can talk her into, Hey, do you think that was fun? Why don't we go right into happy Gilmore? That's my plan. We also I mean, watched if, if it helps, if it helps sell it, happy, Day, happy Gilmore really is the only time my grandfather's ever laughed at swearing. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. I, he, he's not one. He was he was never one for profanity in the movies. And the scene where he just misses the putt and loses his shit in the background on the TV, and they're just bleeping every That's second your word. Home. Yeah, Are it, you too it's good for your my yeah. tears down the man's face. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, John and I tried to watch it with. I guess it was was it you, Dave, or Al? And it was Al because I I ruined the movie because I was comment I was quoting the movie as it was happening in real time. I just I, I couldn't help myself. It's so you good. Dick. Um, I watched an I did I did watch another 2020 film called uh, mm-hmm. Uncle Frank, which is oh, available yeah. on Amazon Prime. Written and directed by Academy Award winner Alan Ball, who wrote the screenplay for American Beauty and created True Blood mm-hmm. and Six Feet Under. Pretty good film, LGBTQ uh, positive film. Really, really good ideas. You know, ultimately, if it was a film, if it felt like a film, had a cheesy ending, but it's a good time. It was a good watch. Uh, not going to be up for any of these awards, but that doesn't mean that it's not worth watching. Yeah, I started. That's my workout show with uh, Brian Cranston. Very heavy. I, I hope that it can carry me for ten hours because ten hours is a long time. Ed Burns can give me, you know, the majority of the Vietnam War in ten hours. So let's see, let's see how they do. It's it's heavy so far. It's good stuff. And um, 
Chloe had family over that loved RuPaul's Drag Race. So we're watching you call you RuPaul UK. RuPaul UK, which I'd seen the American show, and this is better. I like the UK better. So I'm I'm in. I'm rooting for Lawrence Chaney and Bimini. That's what's up. <laughs> nice. Did I mention uh I forgot we recorded on Saturday last week. Did I say that I watched my octopus teacher last week? Do you guys remember that? No, but I just thought about that today because I okay, saw it this summer yeah. and I thought about the ending, basically the ending friend, of the film. I have a friend who's writing, he, every now he writes freelance for a couple different film journals and he's writing a piece on that. I finally got around to watching it last week after we recorded and I was I was deeply moved. I don't know if anybody else has seen that, but really cool story. Really, the music, the score was so unique and interesting. I thought it was very powerful. Definitely going to recommend that yeah. that documentary on Netflix, My Octopus Teacher. Hmm. You know in Harold and Kumar when... Um, when um, someday everybody's gonna wake up and turn around and say goodbye, comes on the radio and they're like, "This Wilson song Phillips? sucks." Yeah. Like, yeah, this is so lame. Yeah. yeah, and then by like halfway through the song, they're like crying and rocking out. It's the same <laughs> thing as the as the Tommy Boy effect. That's what I felt like with the Octopus Teacher. I was like, "This yeah. is so stupid. This is so lame." And then like halfway through, yeah. I'm like weeping at this guy <laughs> and his yeah. weird relationship with this octopus. Honestly, man. And his son, his son, who's like, "Why is my dad liking the octopus more than me?" So he starts going scuba diving with him. Yeah. Anyway, we are not an octopus podcast, people. We're a movie <laughs> podcast. So it was the best of film. It was the worst of film. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say straight up, this is a really funny week for us because if you just look at the ratings and reviews, these films are very similar. <laughs> <laughs> so our best... So if, if I were to show you, for instance, one film has... Here, follow me. On IMDb, a 5.3, a 43 Metascore, and a 35% Rotten Tomatoes. Ouch. It's really hard to know which film because the other film has a 5.6, a 58, and a 51, but an audience score of 26. I know that's a lot of numbers, and if you're driving or if you're my dad on your bike, it's hard to follow. Long story short, The Midnight Sky, which is our Oscar nominee, it's, it's going to be nominated for Oscars, but it doesn't have great reviews. So uh, that's our preface for this going in. Uh, it is George Clooney, written and direct, no, not written, Directed, mm-hmm. and he stars as Augustine. Um, this is based on the book Good Morning Midnight by Lily Brooks Dalton. And uh, the story is in this post-apocalyptic tale, which I believe is 20... 47. Uh, 49. 2047. Great. That's how long we've uh, got, 2047. Um, yeah, that's how long <laughs> we got. Um, a lonely scientist, Dr. Augustine, Dr. George Clooney, uh, he's racing to stop other fellow astronauts who are returning home from a trip to a, from a mysterious uh, moon of Jupiter that may house all the essentials for life so that Earth could potentially move there. They're returning home to Earth not knowing there's a global catastrophe here and there is a little bit of a blackout. So he is trying to stop them from returning as everybody else on Earth is leaving. If that sounds a little confusing, you're right. I don't know what to tell you. We have no idea where these people are going they, when they're leaving Earth. They're, and they're not leaving. These they're, people they're going to die. Yeah. They're going to die. I, no, I they're, they're going to try and live underground. Okay, but the, the, there was no... Yeah, there's a slight... There's one little paragraph that spells it out. It's like, yeah, you can survive underground for a certain period of time. But after that, no, it's where everyone's dead. So there is no humanity left. Sorry. I mean, I was trying to read... I was trying to read the the IMDb hmm. thing here, and it's it's basically it's like I don't know what to tell you, man. It's George Clooney, and there's some yeah, space it's, stuff. Yeah, it's go, a go, comedy go. romp. It really. Is. <laughs> yeah. It's sure, 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 sure. Anyway, what it really is is there's two different storylines happening at the same time, which is George Clooney, who believes he's the last person, um, basically that has con- that can contact anybody beyond, 
in this post-apocalyptic world where it really does seem like, because they show you some some views from space of Earth, it looks like Earth is, is there's nothing left. There's clouds of, of whatever. Yeah, it's like plasma fires and, and shit. And then the other half, <laughs> Yeah, the other so the other half of the movie-ish, maybe about a third of the movie, is this spaceship Ether. Um, on that spaceship are uh, a couple scientists. You have Felicity Jones, David Oyelowo. You have uh, Damien Bashir, uh, Tiffany Boone as Maya, and I'm gonna go ahead and say this movie did one thing right, which is there's a there's a there's a rule in film where if you want to make your movie better, there's one thing you can do, and that is you cast Kyle Chandler. Just cast Kyle Chandler. The movie's going to be better. And they cast Kyle Chandler, and he's on this spaceship. And you know what? Good job. Good job, Kyle Chandler, who had worked with George Clooney on Catch-22, the series for Hulu. Um, so that storyline of what's happening on the ship, the spaceship, coming back to Earth, and George Clooney trying to contact them, that's pretty much the two different storylines going on. I'm going to leave it there. Who wants to take it away? I'll let you guys go first um, on this one. From there. John, uh, go ahead. I kind of heard the same thing that you kind of opened up when you were talking about it. They're like, I waited until this week to watch it. So I'd heard some very mixed things, uh, kind of similar to the little things we mentioned last week. Um, not in our major discussion, but Jeff had watched it. So we kind of went back and forth at the beginning of the show last week. This movie was fine. I, I didn't I didn't feel yeah. very strongly <clears throat> against it, even though I have things that I in my head that I think probably are why it didn't work. But I just don't know if any of them mattered enough to me to say this was not enjoyable and you shouldn't watch it. I still think it was a fine. How long is this? A fine. Uh, help me out here, guys. This is a one hour and fifty eight minutes. Forty five. <laughs> I know it feels it feels long. It's not that long. It doesn't. Dave. It didn't bother me that much. However, that being said, I, I do think that there were some traps of sci fi films that. George Clooney and his screenwriter fell into. Uh, I kind of want to leave it there for right now because I'm curious if it'll come up organically. I don't want it just to sound like I'm bitching about the script and stuff because I think there were a lot of different issues. But for me, it started with the writing. Spoiler alert, because as always, when we're talking about these these movies, especially in the it was the best of film, worst of film, we're talking about current movies. So don't listen to this yet unless you don't want to hear us talk about spoilers. There was a huge plot point to this movie where there was a young girl that he finds in this place that he's in, this, this uh, scientific observational area in Antarctica. And she's a huge piece of, of his story, the one that the first A story A, we'll call it, on Earth with George Clooney. And uh, it turns out to have a very specific connection to the B storyline with the people that are in the air, in, in space. And I did not... Spoiler right off yeah, the bat. I mean, Great. there is a connection there. <laughs> it's like the it spoiler. The, but it's like the whole movie, okay. for me, the whole movie bent on that. That positive attitude that I kind of opened with, it did come crashing down a little bit when they finally reveal who she is. And I, because I don't <clears throat> think they introduced <clears throat> her well. I thought they handled her okay once she was a part of his life. I don't think they introduced her co- correctly to make me think that, oh, okay, that's what that was. Uh, it was too literal. For me, I don't know if they used enough of the. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I feel like that, we're I really middle, did. I, I feel like we. I feel like we're gonna be middle ground, so I'm being brutal on the buzzer tonight. No, go for I'll, it, dude. Okay, 
I'll, I'll, I'll give I'll give Dave his wish and I'll, I'll I'll delay it a little bit. Although I I kind of agree with John. Even after the second time watching this movie, the first time I sorry, <laughs> I felt like it was a bunch of different um, space movies thrown into one. Yeah. And the one thing that was missing to to make it its own unique space film was was whatever this film is supposed to be about. Um, I don't know what the big question was, but I, I George Clooney's a really smart guy. Um, I, I almost want I wanted to walk out of Monuments Man if I'm honest with you and um, but I yeah. like Catch Me I like to Catch 22 which he didn't solely direct so I just I don't know what his directing style is but he's a very intelligent guy so I know he was really trying to ask the big questions um, but it's it's a fine film but yeah you're right the 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 things that are supposed to be clever which time you have to be clever like what like who is this little girl that is with him and and when you know the answer to that. I, I would feel like it's like a sixth sense thing where it's like, oh my God, the audience is getting this out. And I feel like it went on, it just went on really long so that by the time you figured out who it was, you either A, didn't care or B, you were like, ugh, you know what I mean? But but if you're just watching this movie because you want to see a George Clooney movie and you want to see some really cool visuals in space, I, I don't know why we needed the asteroid things to hit all the time other than they were really fun to film. I, I don't know what they actually did to the story of the movie, but it was a nice enough that's, two hours. That's I just a, think if that's you That's a screenwriting beat. It's known as the whiff of death. It's just, it, it, if, if people, well, you, you can talk about that more for sure. But all I'll say is I think a lot of people, like I watched this with my parents, they felt the same way. They didn't love it. And this is, I don't think, sorry if I'm speaking out of turn, mom and dad, but they, it just, it's just a fine movie with some cool things to look at. And they do cool shit. You know what? Felicity Jones is pregnant in real life. So they made her character pregnant in this. Like, so there's like good stuff. Like it's a good group of people. It's a great cast. But you know, the one thing yeah, I loved about that flat, but it's fine. as well, okay. they like they wrote her pregnancy in, but not once did any male character go, you can't do that in your condition. Or I anything. wonder if they had to, to have talked about that, right? You can't do effect. a spacewalk it's when like, you're pregnant, you, right? Well, you can, apparently she did. But it seems a little, it seems like they should talk about it, right? I mean, but then again, they, they did, I think they did, like they let David Oyelowo, who is playing her partner in this film, act that a little bit. He's basically like, can you do the catwalk? Can you do it? And she's like, of course I can do it. And he's just like, well, I'm not going to argue with you. You know what I mean? Like, even <laughs> yeah. though he's the captain of the ship, I, I felt like they. I, anyway, I actually, sorry, I actually really appreciate. I away. actually really appreciated that piece of writing. Um, I would describe this as Gravity meets the Revenant with elements of the Martian Chronicles thrown in. Um, and if you haven't heard of Martian Chronicles, yeah, yes, it was a TV yes. event back in the I want to say 80s or 90s, um, where people set up shop on Mars. Um, they were living and they were about to come back to earth and there was a massive nuclear war and they realized they were stuck on mars um and mars is, is inhabited as well it's a ray Martians. bradbury short story book right mm. yeah they but they they made a tv series about it and the, that one Im- there's one image where they're looking through the like the telescope at earth and you just see the mushroom clouds start to bloom everywhere and it go- all goes brown and it terrified the fuck out of me as a kid so like when i saw the earth like that it was like flashback but for me, I I feel like I I knew what I was getting myself in for, and I was like, "This is really slow." But then I found myself not minding. I was nice. I was good. I like I picked up on the significance of the little girl in the first, I would say, twenty minutes. Yeah. Um. I was I mean, when she wasn't talking. You're like, okay, this there's there's something else yeah, going on. And here. Uh, like, I, it's one of three tropes. Uh, yeah. I I, <laughs> I called I called that, and then just moved on and enjoyed the ride, and. I I feel like there was enough in this to carry it through. Like everyone forgets that sci-fi can be this pace. Like I feel like 
big budget blockbusters have ruined us for the fact that you don't have to have action every five seconds. You can have a slow scene and you can have like actual acting and emotion in, in a scene and not like it, it is part of sci-fi. I do think that shout out to that Roger Deakins, James Deakins podcast. They were interviewing Bradley, uh, damn it. The guy who filmed, uh, Selma and arrival and, uh, Brad, damn it. Somebody look uh, his name up. But anyway, he was talking yeah. about when they were filming uh, yeah, arrival, I get it, I get it. how, you know, they were asking a general question about camera movement, uh, in that, because there's two very distinct styles of cinematography and arrival, but everyone who loves that movie and what they were trying to build to was how did you establish such a personal connection to, to characters mm-hmm. specifically her Amy Adams character. And he was talking about him and Denis Villeneuve were just consistently, they, they, the only thing that seemed to be talked about all the time was not a big technical conversation. It was a emotional conversation about this movie will not work if you do not have her point of view every fucking second. And I think when you're trying to do a very, a very personal, uh, mankind's perspective on sci-fi and not like a a giant epic sci-fi that's going to deal more with the literal hard science fiction of new technology and stuff this is more about how does mankind survive in spite of itself um we love that question in sci-fi it's fun to ask i think if i had to pinpoint what did not work for me in this film it's that the stakes weren't high enough on the ship i'm even willing to forgive what happened to George Clooney with the girl? Because I agree with Jeff and Dave. I got it quickly too. I think I, I think you're supposed to get it quickly that what she hmm. is to him. So you can kind of let that go. What would have turned the screw for me is if I didn't think it was going to be able, without giving anything away, is if I did not think the people on the ship were going to be able to get through this, whether it was from human conflict or the stakes were so high physically and literally that their protocol and all the stuff we were just kind of alluding to fell through the cracks and they started doubting themselves. I felt a little too safe on the ship. And this whole movie builds to this point where they make a big decision on the ship and kind of, it kind of, some of the crew decides to, to no longer be part of the crew in a certain, in a certain way. I don't want to give away the actual details of that. And it, I, I am, am going to give away the actual details of that. I'm going to bring it up later. Cause I have a real problem with that. Okay, so so that's kind of a perfect example to me, though, that like I didn't care when they did that, when they finally decide to two of them decide to leave. And the question was supposed to be heightened, I think, because of that, like, can mankind survive even when literally the numbers of people in the crew, half of the crew decides, no, I don't even want to survive. And half of the crew decides I want to. I didn't have enough drama in the crew building up to that moment for me to give a shit about what George Clooney was fighting for back on Earth. And it's again, right. it's not that I didn't give a shit at all. I was caring enough, but I wanted to be distraught. I wanted to be convinced that his relationship with the girl on Earth may be a total lie, because if what I was thinking was correct, the people on the ship were never going to be able to survive this. And he never made me feel like there was no chance of survival. I thought they were going to figure it out the whole time. I, and I, I, guess, know, I, I guess, like Jeff said, I, with I, the I meteors, like, when I the think meteors that was are bullshit. Hitting- well, the meteors are hitting and the walls are fucking rippling. I'm like, all right, this they, someone might go here. And I agree with that, but it that's a really physical, well. but that's like a physical great. obstacle. I, I wanted if you're gonna ask the question about can mankind survive in spite of mankind's faults, 
and then you're going to let meteors be the obstacle. That felt a little cheap to me. I wanted to have more drama. I wanted to see the crew break down emotionally, and it never happened. They were they were I, fucking pros I'll, from beginning yeah. to end. I'll, I'll level with you a little bit before I send it over to Dave about what he was asking about, which is, um, the, so George Clooney's mission is to tell this spaceship to not come back to Earth. So I guess, therefore, they're supposed to go back to Jupiter. Yes. Right. But we didn't... They, I don't know if they really... Because if, if they, like, died, yeah, it would have sucked. But, like, I, is this supposed to, is the baby supposed to represent the future of humanity? Is that, is that sort so. of, like, is that, is that supposed to be what we're doing? So, I mean, that's, that's ultimately my, what, like, if the spaceship went down, it would have sucked. But I don't even know if, I don't even know if that, like, like, in The Martian, like, I, I know that's a weird, another example that gets brought up with this kind of stuff is, we want him to come back. We want him to come home. Mission is so fucking simple. We want him to come back. And then they they circle the Earth, right? The, the spaceship that's returning that left him behind circles. They come back to get him and they go full Apollo 13 on that. I'm literally just throwing space things because that's what you do when you see this movie. Um, but I don't know if that point was necessarily made in such a way that was like, this baby is the only hope that humanity has. Yeah, And so exactly. there, therefore, yeah, you're right. There are obstacles coming home. But ultimately, and I know this sounds <laughs> droll, but like what happens if the spaceship blows up? Um and that's why Alejandro Desplat wrote the fuck out of the score because he was like, okay, I don't know if this cut is really selling it, so I'm going to be the heart and soul of this goddamn movie. That's I mean, they, Corbett, like, that was that was my biggest my biggest problem was the fact that like everybody but the mother and father got off the ship. I mean the the unpleasant truth hiding behind the way they resolved it is that yeah, they're going to go back to you, Jupiter for and you, then what? for humanity to survive. There's going to be a whole bunch of incest going on. There probably was initially. There probably was. I mean, mitochondrial Eve. Oh my god, Dave! Some good some woman in Kenya. Some woman in Kenya gave birth to all of us, and all of her siblings fucked each other. That's basically what happened. But yeah, like I can see this at a film festival, and Dave asks them. He says, "Hey, I'm just curious. um, Who's the incest going to be between to revive humanity? (laughs) Yeah, who's Dave? Who's who's begetting this? And by the way, John, that was Bradford Young before. Bradford Young, Bradford Young, cinematographer. Cinematographer from a from a perspective of like visuals, though, um, there was some beautiful stuff in this. Um, the targeted yeah. dissolves. They're going to be nominated for shit. Yeah, the, the targeted dissolves between the spaceship and the snow, and like them in the snow and stuff like that. Um, the production design on the ship for me was fucking amazing. Like that thing looks magical. And it's it's a design sweet. you don't see normally, and uh, straight away I picked like when they do the she's climbing up the ladder and then she just flicks herself into space. I'm like, okay, we're on a revolving ship, and then they show you the outside, and yeah, it's it, everything's revolving everywhere. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that that sort of stuff. The thing that I really loved was the fucking panels, all the computer panels everywhere. Like someone sat there and designed these, and yeah. And, that, and that's and that's cool because with music, for instance, when they play songs, it's always weird when a movie set thirty years in the future is playing current songs. <laughs> so it's cool that it's cool that they at least tried to to make the look not necessarily seem future futuristic, but just not feel like today. And I feel like they did. The inside of the spaceship is gorgeous, actually. So there was, it, it, yeah, it was weird that we went. We had like the Clooney st- the Clooney story, and then on the the ship was an ensemble story. So it's weird that like you didn't just have his and hers or his and his or hers and hers point of view you had his and theirs collectively i guess oyelowo and and felicity jones sort of shared that but but the the ship itself was a place that i I would watch the the design the the design of the walls like the design of the framework and the walls matched the handle of his shotgun that he had on earth there was like little little things like that but the computer panels i actually sat through the credits to find out it was a company called compuhire um did them because like these guys 
at the end in the credits where it just stays on them and forever and the credits are happening over them like they're touching things yeah on screen and it's it's reacting yeah now i'm pretty sure they were pre-designed and captured in camera but that means that those were pre-designed as actual working touch panels so in like obviously it just lit up when people touched it stuff like that and that level of detail to me is something that's worthy of mention because that's that's a really good like technical achievement for and just adding to a sci-fi. What you what you guys think of the yeah, flashbacks? Definitely. Do you think they were The flashbacks were their only point really was to set up the the ending. Like the resolve yeah. of his story. Yeah. To that was the, the only point of those flashbacks, yeah. I think. They had to have talked about it. So so to be clear cuz this this is coming up in a lot of um critiques of this movie. There are flashbacks where another actor is playing young George Clooney, but they end up using his voice. And mm. so it's like, do you, do you do the Irishman? Do you, do you just cast another actor and trust the audience is smart enough? What do you do? Because you can't watch that and not sit there and go, oh, wait, it's another actor playing young George Clooney, but they're using his voice. So does it pay off? Like, is it, is it worth knowing that an audience, is, every single person watching this movie is going to have that experience? Mm. So do you guys think that, that was, uh, that was the guy who off? plays Spock in Discovery too. Hmm. Yeah. Oh shit. Um, yeah, I thought he seemed familiar. Yeah, I don't know. I think I agree with Dave. I feel like it was just so. It had such a specific. There wasn't enough of it to feel it like for it, being there. There was yeah, like story distract- story A and story B, and then there was like tiny little bit of story A A. Yeah, it was. I could see the breadcrumbs. Right. You know, it was a little too obvious for that it was going to create a service for one of the other stories or both of them. Mm. And, so I kind of felt like every time they would flash back, I was like, all right, what am I learning now so that I'll be able to put this together? So yeah. the mystery that was supposed to be unseen or seen, not heard, I guess, if we're going to allude to her, her mute lack of speaking, basically. Yeah. Um, I think I do want to make one last point that I know I feel like I've talked about this before. I think a lot of contemporary movies are starting to look very similar. I mean that technically. Um, Again, with the story of can mankind survive when mankind has already failed itself? And if technology is always a tool, obviously we're talking about sci-fi, but if technology is always a tool in our evolution, and we were supposed to have faith that we had have enough technology to achieve his younger self's goal of finding a planet that's in the Goldilocks zone, that's in our solar system— and actually being able to go there and actually achieve it. It's not millions of light years away. We can actually do this, and we created the tech to achieve that. I think George Clooney may have done himself a disservice by presenting Earth, contemporary Earth, and the ship with such a technological ease that I kind of stopped asking the question. That that was another specific thing that kind of made me stop asking the question, are they going to be okay? I think if he had filmed it, in a slightly more realistic look. And as much, I agree with you, Dave, like it was cool seeing all that technology and the panel work was, was really nice, but I had so much faith in the technology that I kind of stopped caring as much about whether or not the people were going to be able to do it. And since this is not a story about AI, it did rely on the people. So part of me wondered if he had filmed this way more realistically with taking a lot of the color out of out of the shots, like literally just making it look a little bit more dystopian. And I think I would have been a little bit more afraid of trusting the technology that only two people were going to have to wield 
by the time this whole story is over. It would have made me a little more nervous. And that's a technical choice, but I could not stop thinking about it the entire time. It was I, so I got beautiful. none of that. I got none of that. I, I, I just, I went along for the ride. Um, I mean, I am a lot more forgiving on some of these sci-fi films than other people. Um, but it's, it Love is Star such... Trek 10. Loves the 10th Star Trek <laughs> That's for you, Jeff. <laughs> you said something stupid. <laughs> oh. I just spilled. Um, so yeah, no, I, I just, I, I mean, I, I sat Funny. there and I was like, at one point, I was like, okay, this has gone a little slow. And every time I felt like it was going slow, he changed tack and went to, like, either the ship or back to the planet. And I don't know. I just felt like, as a, as a, from a directorial standpoint, this was a pretty decent film. Um, there's some good, it's good performances. I mean, yeah, I didn't find a problem with the ship design at all. I felt like all of that was necessary for what they were doing. Um, yeah, yeah. My uh, my uh, my vote is yeah. This will get some awards for I possibly visual effects. My one my one gripe is this this has been touted as an indie film. Fuck no! Get the get fuck the out of fuck here. out of here! Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> it's um, an indie film because it didn't have a studio behind it. But fuck off! It it had a like a hundred million dollar budget and ILM is doing your visual effects. You're not a fucking indie film. <laughs> uh, you're right. Uh, um. Yeah, and, and of course... Just Otherwise, to, I'm going to shoot a short next week and just give ILM a call and go, hey, you did it for George. Is, so this is probably going to... It's going to be up for visual effects because a lot of the big movies didn't come out this year, like Bond and like any a lot of the other superhero mm. movies. You had um, the Wonder Woman movie wasn't perceived as well. Tenet came out, but we're not insane. We like our health, so we haven't seen it. But Dune didn't come out. So like this is going to be yeah. not, this is going to be up for visual effects. And since people are watching it, it, it might be up for best score. But anyway, the, the real thing they, about this they movie... Released the, uh, they released the visual effects shortlist, didn't they? They released a shortlist, and this is on it, obviously. Yeah. But anyway, um, the this is about change, right? George Clooney believes in climate change. That that is apparent from this movie, and also, and, oh, and, and I should correct you from before, John. So I'm so yes. sorry. That's the tagline on the poster. And I'm so sorry. This, yeah. this is this is not. It's not in Antarctica. It's in the Arctic Circle. Antarctica South. No, the, tagline is, the tagline is the tagline on the poster me. is the tagline on the poster is because an inconvenient truth didn't work. Yeah. Right. Yes. And so, like how Interstellar at the the beginning basically was like these cornfields, shit. Let's get out of here. Like this actually shows us like what I I don't know what the catastrophic event is, but it's probably just we crossed the threshold and all that. Kind of stuff so that's the mm-hmm. that's the, the the i'm not saying that it's a fault but like you're, you're asking john you're asking all these sci-fi questions it's it's it, for some reason they went they cared more about the the global warming than the sci-fi i think that that would be my guess and so that's why they didn't but then back to what dave was saying the ship design they did put a lot of effort into and i kind of like the personal touch of all the characters as a way of getting to know the characters <laughs> even though some of it maybe was a little formulaic, but like, you know, we got to know them pretty quick. We got to see their families, you know, we got to see because they, they did like these holograms of their families so that they could feel that connection to home. If that doesn't make sense, watch the fucking movie. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's a fine enough film. I, I guess I would recommend it to people. There's a lot of other things to watch, but Dave, any, any final words that you want to say? Um, I just, I just think like this was, this was a good one. They used stagecraft. Um, I do think it was a credit to their performances that when one of the characters in space was killed, um, they they did some shit I've never seen before. Like that with blood that is death. wild. That was cool. Yeah. Sorry, like, I, mean, I know that soon, sounds as, fucked up, but it really was as, wild. Yeah. As soon as they took that helmet off, I was like, oh, she fucked. Yeah. Like you knew it was the, like, the first blood. Yeah. The first, like even the way they held on her, I was like, they're holding on her too long, so something's probably wrong. Yeah. But then when you saw the blood, you're like, ooh. I saw that coming, oh. and yeah, that's still surprising. Yeah, that's I, I got squirmy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. John, any final thoughts? You wanna you wanna end on a high note or what? 
Not really. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Go see it. You you watch it and you you email us. You you reply to our handles and you let us know what you think. This movie was yeah. Uh, Everybody was at fun. John. Great cast. Great cast. It's really good fun. And um, yeah, shout out to George. Keep fighting the good climate change fight. Um, oh yeah, man. Great. Well, we all believe in climate change here. So with that, we're going to send you off to our break so I can take a quick pee. And we are going to be back to talk about our potential Razzie film, which is The New Mutants. And we're back. We're back. We're back, baby. All right, people. We just talked about The Midnight Sky, which was supposed to be our, it was the best of film segment, which it was our best of film segment. <laughs> I don't know if it was the best of film of 2020, but it was, there was a I really mean, good that's, shit in there. I mean, that's the thing with these potential nominations. It's like, we're going to have varying responses to them. And that's yeah, okay. give it a watch. Give it a watch. I, I enjoyed watching it. Yeah. So we're going to talk about our potential Razzie film. And just to remind everybody, we do not, we do not, um, make the lists ourselves these are things Mega that we saw disclaimer. online we love um we love odds makers uh people tend to bet with their money and things that they actually will think actually what they think will actually make money sorry that's the way i wanted to phrase that so with the exception of gamestop after it had passed a thousand dollars um i <laughs> um usually people put their money in the right place and people are betting on this movie to be nominated for some Razzies. So what's funny about that is this film, The New Mutants, which is about five young mutants who are just discovering their abilities while they're being held in a secret facility against their will. They're planning their escape, but um, they all have been convinced and therefore they believe that they are not ready to exist in real world because they don't have proper control of their powers. Um, a lot of them do have some backstories that are violent that we find out about in this film, some of whom have great regret about how their power was used beyond their control in a way that harmed people. So some of them are almost glad that they're in a facility that seems to be looking out for them. However, this film, which is being pitched as a teenage horror movie, it sort of doesn't go full insane asylum, but we're, we're, it has that feel of like, we're stuck in this insane asylum. And for some reason, all of the characters start seeing their darkest secrets and their, their deepest secrets and the darkest moments of their pasts coming to life, actually coming to life, not just in their dreams, but with having real life effects and consequences such as tattooing engaging and, and walls getting destroyed and 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 these demons are coming back to life inside this facility which yes sounds horrifying and that is what the movie is meant to be what's crazy about this movie being nominated for razzies and such is that this is possible this is one of the better young ensembles that you can assemble as far as a casting standpoint so this movie which which i, I hope dave knows a little bit more about than me <laughs> Um, started filming years ago, maybe in like 2017 or 2018. Dude, this, this is the only film they... to have more release date changes than Tenet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, they, sure they decided a to release in the pandemic. <laughs> and they decided in the pandemic. It was just really, really fun. This came out August 28th, 2020, which we're always going to remember as six months into a deadly pandemic yeah. when no theaters should be open. We all rented this movie. So for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, because you didn't want to spend the money on it, I understand that. Uh, it's $5.99 right now, which was a, cho- a just drop 
because it was mm. 20 forever, yeah. which, which Dave was keeping an eye on for a long time. But soon enough, it'll be even cheaper than five. Funny enough, funny enough, anyway, I did I didn't notice even ten. It is five ninety nine. This now when I was looking. So uh, that, I know oh, what I'm watching. This don't week. you dare talk us into watching this goddamn movie. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Casting. So just if we go back to 2017, 2018, Game of Thrones is wrapping up. So Maisie Williams now gets a really big role. She plays Wolfbane, whose main character is Rain Sinclair, the character name. You have Anya Taylor-Joy, who we now know as the Queen's Gambit herself, mm-hmm. who was also in Emma this year and Split. And she's a huge star now. She's nominated, I think, for two Golden Globes this year. Anya Taylor-Joy. You have Charlie Heaton, who plays Jonathan in Stranger Things, a.k.a. the older brother of Will, who's dating uh, the girl, Brenda, or something. I don't know. You have... Um, it's been a while since we had Stranger Things. So those, so, so those three are huge stars. And then you also have Blue Hunt who was in some some things you've seen. Alice Braga is in a bunch of things, including I Am Legend. Uh, and Henry Zaga, who is in 13 Reasons Why, among other things. So there's six people in this facility. You have one supervisor, which, yes, that's a hole in this movie, that there's only one adult. And then you have five kids, at least three of whom are, are really big stars. So exciting. And they're all mutants. So these are all people that have origin stories that have been published. So it, it, it is definitely meant to be part of a larger anthology. This was definitely meant to be chapter one of a, of a film series, for sure, to help us get our next generation of X-Men and, and Disney Plus fans. It, like, it was supposed to, to be this a trilogy. definitely what this movie was supposed to be. Yeah, and, and it, it reads like they could even gone farther if they wanted to, but that's what it's supposed to be. So, okay, teenage horror film, five young mutants stuck with the Doctor... Dr. Reyes, who believes she's trying to help understand their powers before she can release them. And we don't know who the superiors that she's going to release them to after this. They want it to be Professor X, obviously, um, which we find out later may not be the case. Mm. That's the setup. Who wants to take it from there? Dave, was this the second time you saw this? This is the second time I saw this. You paid full price for this? Uh, no, no, it, oh, it, yeah. it, it, I watched it uh, straight after Wonder Woman, uh, actually, when we watched Wonder Woman uh, in 1984. Mm. Um, and I actually, uh, when I watched it that time, I enjoyed it more than I did Wonder Woman. So, yeah. Hey, how was it the second Are you going to buzz yourself or not? What do you think? What do you, what do you mm-hmm. think? <laughs> I, I, I did try to, but I had the wrong window selected. Like, hang on, there you go. <laughs> okay, there's... I don't know. Uh, I think everyone knows... The truth about that Wonder Woman. Okay, Back okay, to New sorry. Mutants. Let's, uh... Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, on, a, on a rewatch, it was still pretty good. Like, it, it didn't... I didn't lose too much. In fact, there's little little things for you to find if you're, a, like, one of those mega Marvel fans. Um, but to be honest, the fact that this was a Marvel movie, I think, was the biggest disservice to it. I agree, dude. Huh. I agree. I think this was a... If you had sat me down and said, this is a... A, you know, a longer, a longer pilot to a CW series, I would have been like, God, this is going to be cool. Yeah. The or fact even... that it was pitched as a movie, I, I, it took a little bit away from me. I was like, there's something missing about the, there's something less cinematic about it. But if this was the opening to a series, I would be like, this is probably going to be a very successful show. That I don't know that. Mm. I, I liked it. I, I just mean, the, didn't the love biggest, it as the a biggest problem is, movie. And we've, we've come across this before, like, this I can see what Josh Boone was going for. Like he he made references to being inspired by uh, Friday um, Nightmare on Elm Street three, the Dream Warriors, and it is it's exactly 
like you can see Dream Warriors huh. like homages in there. Um, there's a little bit of Buffy thrown in there for good measure. Um, and it almost got there, but if you're if you're following the history of this film, it was messed with at almost every level by the studio. They yeah. they yeah. held it up, then they decided no, we're gonna do reshoots. We'd want to change it, and so they brought someone in to rewrite it, and then they rewrote it, and then they didn't like that, and then it. They they were like, okay, we're going to release it in this cut-down form, and then they didn't like that. And in the, after about four or five changes, they end up handing it back to him, and he goes, well, why don't we just make the movie I intended to make? And they're like, oh. And then the, the Disney-Fox merger happens, and right. straight away he's now owned by a studio, like the film's owned by a studio who doesn't do horror and has no idea what to do with it. And so they kind of half-ass it and don't promote it and throw it out there. And it's like, this could have been, like, so much better. Just wrong time. And yeah, too many people me, fucking with it. Let me ask this question. Yeah. Let's, put our brain, let's put our brains off to the side for half a second. How did you <laughs> feel one and a half beers, watching easy. the movie? How did, you feel, how did you feel watching the movie? Did you feel disappointed? Did you feel entertained? Did you feel... Up, did you feel optimistic? Like, how did you how did you feel watching the movie? I felt like it was not quite what it could have been, but I again, that comes from the, the expectation of that Marvel logo at the front. Like, you have that Marvel yeah. logo at the front, you're expecting um, like big blockbuster, fucking magic flying everywhere, and make mega special effects. And what we got was a really compacted story and a really claustrophobic little story with some like character origins and uh, like a setup for a trilogy. And it was not what anyone would expect from a film that was billed as it was. Yeah. But you, John, did you feel okay watching the movie or did, did the heady stuff get in the way? I felt okay. I think it, I think I, I had lower expectations, honestly, just because of some of the things that I guess some of the jokes Dave had made leading up to this. So I, I don't <laughs> think I was nearly as disappointed as, you know, maybe some people would be who had really, you know, who had been anticipating this for years and years and years. Um, you know, this isn't really my cup of tea. Like, I kind of felt like I had tuned into the CW by accident, um, I which mean, is, yeah, you know, which is cool. That's, That's fine. Like, I, it, it was okay. I do think uh, I, I was very conscious of the fact that I felt like I was watching a movie made by committee. And I wasn't shocked when I did go back and read a bunch of trivia and some oh, yeah. articles on it and stuff. And see that his initial idea, because the only thought I kept having over and over again that kept bothering me was, am I supposed to be scared? Like, it, it, is this supposed to be a horror movie? Like a haunted house movie? It was, it was 80s and horror. I think it was. It was 80s horror. I think horror. it was supposed to be. And <laughs> I, don't think he, uh, I don't think we'll ever you know, know what he was going to try to do with it. And because of that, it felt... That I think they did as good of a job as they possibly could with a product that was inevitably going to be too safe because of the interference from Disney. Mm. And I don't really know how else to say it. Yeah. I mean, both the Fox and Disney, they, oh, they both fucked with this one. Which is a shame because I do think it had a lot of potential. The so, acting, mm. you know, I'm not going to say the performances are through the roof, but I think the potential was there for I, I really like Charlie, in- Charlie Heaton, Cannonball. I thought he was great. Which one is Cannonball? The yeah, uh, yeah. he's strange. Yeah. He's strange. Yeah, the guy who had to tie yeah. himself to a rock and fly around in a circle. Yeah, Kentucky, yeah. Kentucky is they yeah. like. I think the film. only characterization I had a problem with, strangely, was Anya Taylor Joy. 
And what's you know what's funny, Dave, is I I, I agree with you because it was the accent seemed a little put on. Yes. I mean, she, she's but, Russian. Sure. <laughs> yeah, she's so um, it's she's actually the sister of so Colossus. It's a little tough. So wait, hold on. I'm, I'm gonna say this is this is one good thing about the movie. So yeah, yeah, I saw, I heard about that, Dave. That's cool. Um, I, I had similar feelings to both of you. I, this, this is this. This should be a series. This should have been a mini series, or or it should have been a television series yeah. because there's no villain, there's no obstacles for almost an hour in this movie. And then, of course, the villain is within them the whole time. It's their own mm. demons and their own nightmares, which is fine. I think that's totally doable. But we're talking 45 minutes when you don't really know what. Yeah we're up against if that makes sense so that's why it feels like a television series that's the pacing that we're used to so in that point I'm, i don't even think that's a complaint necessarily because i mean we're the, used to the that worst the, the thing i'm saddest about is if that. this was made now it would be a disney event marvel series and it'd be on disney plus and it would have been a smash hit right exactly exactly mm. yeah um but but just to finish what i was saying is yes you're right and to finish what i was saying a second ago though is because what it what the villain really is is their own personal demons it mm. does humanize the characters so to give anya taylor joy some credit some anya taylor joyce that's not her name anya taylor joy some credit all of these characters even the ones that came on a little strong which she's the strongest she's she's hard she has no empathy and that doesn't mean that she's just all of a sudden going to break down, which I saw in RuPaul's Drag Race UK, which would happen very quickly for somebody. Who's oh, wow. On a Great segue. Jeff, that's the bad segue. Everybody. But yeah, but <laughs> hey, no. But what I mean is because you see their deepest, darkest fears, which can be cheesy and maybe it was cheesy and, and on, it wasn't scary, which is too bad because the only one that was scary was psychological, mm. which was the, the priest. The priest was the most scary. But anyway, we, we, can, we can break down their, their fears in a second. But Anya Taylor-Joy, once she started having to go through that, you can tell that this is somebody that is aware mm. of what a good actor is. And I don't know if she's gone full Meryl yet. I, the Queen's Gambit's great. Emma's great. She hasn't quite gone there yet. She, she's not that yet. But like, oh, I don't I, think she can really the, do Kramer versus Don't, Kramer don't get me yet, wrong. I had no problem with her acting. I had a problem with the but, characterization she was given. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. But, but long story short is that mm. all of these characters get humanized in a way so that I, whether or not you root for them, they all do feel three-dimensional by the end. That doesn't make the movie a great yeah. movie, but it makes the characters likable I enough think that, that is I would actually, be curious to see another one. I might push back a little bit on that is that I think that's exactly what made it feel like it was supposed to be serialized. Is, which is that we have a pilot episode to humanize yeah, these no, people. So you're going to want to tune back in for episode two. So I actually, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about movies you watched. Right after this finished, I read for a little bit just to see, like, I didn't even know if this was connected to, X, to X-Men. It's not a, <laughs> not a I was reading the gone. trivia and the, some articles. I didn't know if this was directly connected to X-Men until they mentioned that in the movie. And I was like, okay. So then I started the first X-Men just because that first scene is, is so good. And I was, I kind of got into the exposition a little bit and I was just trying to think like, why is, I know they had way more money, so let's just try to put money aside, mm. but why is Brian Singer's first X-Men, the first 20 minutes, why is it so fucking captivating? Because technically that was the first really successful yeah. superhero movie. It X2 came out in 2000, mm. this was before Batman Begins, before the Marvel journey. And I think, and it opens in the it fucking opens in Holocaust. The Holocaust, John. So why is there? What, what's the difference between the way that Josh Boone chose to try to humanize these characters, which is very—I don't mean this offensively, but it's a very specific type. I, 
of character of humanizing. He did it the way the CW would do it versus using cinematic visual storytelling that Brian Singer tried to use that I thought he used very well in establishing who first is Magneto, obviously with that initial Holocaust flashback, but then he does it very well with Rogue and Wolverine within, with not much dialogue with everything that's happening to her. And it doesn't feel angsty. Even mm. though that Rogue is the point of view in X-Men 1, she, she is most of our point of view. You never feel like you're in a teen angsty drama. I did feel like I was kind of sucked into that with this initially, which would not have bothered me if it was flowing a little bit more from uh, visually as opposed to kind of what you just said. I, I, I think like it, they were trying so hard to humanize each character that I felt like I was being manipulated by like, I'm supposed to care. I mean, I you, really don't really pretty, care. I want to see what happens to you're them. You're pretty much introduced to the group with like magic trying to bully the new girl and the bullying is so uncreative and i mean she points out it's uncreative but it, it just sure. it's so yeah. uncreative it it you kind of yeah. like no yeah like you're expecting yeah, a lot of tactics but i do i do feel like also the the very opening of new mutants again does the film a disservice because the opening is extremely high action there's this like there's a little bit of narration and then boom, you're in this massive fucking action running scene. Like there's destruction happening everywhere. You don't know what the fuck's going on and that's it. Yeah. I'm yeah. Structurally. I'm curious. You made a good point. I'm curious what would have happened if that would have been discovered through flashbacks or some other thing, as opposed to the opening, like a few mm. minutes. I don't know. I, uh, I do feel like I don't want to pick on any of the actors or Josh Boone though, because again, if you just read a little bit, you're going to see how with this movie was i don't even think anyone involved knows what this movie you know was supposed to be anymore i think they're all like well i guess we got it out thank god it just saw the light of day because it was changed so much in every step um but i don't know i don't they're not going to make another one right that's what it looks like no yeah i don't know if they can afford everybody now I mean, so the story, so, and also we should, we should, we should mention here that um, while this seems like it could have been an ensemble piece, it, it really wasn't. This is really Danny's story. So it's the character, it's, it's the character Danny Moonstar comes in from the plantation with the emblem from her dad because a, a horrific nightmare happened that actually reminded me of Stranger Things, but we didn't see it. So it's sort of, they, they keep trying to, by they, I mean, Dr. Reyes is trying to convince her it's a tornado and she keeps hearing growling. So she thinks it's a bear. And she tells this, this whole thing about everybody has two bears. So only one can survive. Who survives? The one you feed. I, I paraphrase that. But it's Danny's story. And then, of course, it becomes Danny is the one that's, that's creating all of these powers within everybody to come up. The, the nightmares and such. It's her fault. So she basically has to solve her own problem, which is a little bit of the Fantastic Beaks Fantastic Beasts problem to me. Whereas you create your own problem and then solve them. And that's the movie. But it's okay. That's fine. But that it's it is her story, which is why I wish that 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 we could see more of, for instance, Maisie Williams' character, who is basically just a wolf, um, who has great spelling because she's a wolf. But I saw, for instance, the wolf that we would see the the wolf from far away, and it looked so fucking epic. I thought the wolf was going to be like a guardian angel, and then when I found out it was just Maisie Williams' character, I was like, damn it! You know what I mean? There are like all these moments in here where it's like, oh, that seems really powerful, and that seems really captivating, and they just they just didn't quite they didn't quite land. But but I was rooting for the characters, so I'm just sort of stuck in this like malaise here in the middle where. Like I, yeah, I was entertained for it was an hour and a half. It wasn't yeah. that long. Yeah, that was, was the like, overwhelming feeling. Yeah, I had. What, what like, it could have been? What this was supposed know? to be. Just just for the record, uh, for anyone watching on video, I haven't gone to sleep while Jeff was talking. The uh, 
for some reason the camera I'm using has dropped out. <laughs> I saw that happen, and I never mind because that that just means that I keep going. I have to stretch <laughs> for time, and I don't mind that. Anyway, and it's it's not scary, right? We're, we're either of you because this is a horror film, or at least that's what it's being yeah. pitched at. The priest was the scariest, right? The priest who was chasing Maisie was the scariest. Did anybody else was anybody scared more scared of the bear? Even though the bear's huge, like I feel like the priest was scary. Yeah, yeah, it was. What do you it it turned into being way less of a scary movie and more of a mystery. And yet, if that was going to be the case, I think again, I'm sure Josh Boone was like, "Well, fuck! If it was supposed to be just be a mystery, I would have done something different." It was supposed to be horror, but like you're changing all these things. So the mystery wasn't supposed to be front and center. I think he wanted us to know it was her the whole time. It was just supposed to be scarier that it was happening to those people. Yeah, we knew yeah, it was her exactly. the whole time. <laughs> um so yeah i don't know i think that is the overwhelming sentiment i did have a little bit of that vibe that bothers me with young teen drama where like i feel like they brought in a bunch of focus groups and they were like does this offend anyone is there anything that we missed pc wise which is like you know james joyce within the specific lives the universal i thought it was excellent that we started on a reservation and we were going to follow the tale of this person who doesn't really have a voice in our culture and then they tried to make this movie about every team that has ever existed every fucking you know, contemporary issue is going to fit in somehow into their stories. And I was like, God damn it. I didn't need to know that she was enough for me. I would have lived a minority's tale and I would have learned something without having to have those trials of all of their past that are, you know, maybe not represented well enough, like shoved down my throat. It just felt like it was a little bit of the billboard version and not, I don't know. I have a feeling Josh Boone was trying to make something way more grounded and they ended uh, yeah. up making a Disney version of this film, and that that just that, just, that bothered me a little right. bit, dude. There was there was screenings where they said it's not scary enough, and then Disney was like, "Oh no, it's scary enough." Okay, let's reshoot a couple of things. <laughs> sure, yeah. Disney knows and, better uh, than the screenings. Yeah, was, That's they, right. And <laughs> you're after, wrong, people. After the they gaslighting were like, of America, okay, people. we've settled on what we wanted to be. Let's release it. It was like two years down the track, and the actors are visibly aged, and they're like, "Well, we can't yeah. do fucking reshoots now." Not without spending millions of dollars on de-aging. They could, they could possibly get away with yeah. it, but if if I'm Anya Taylor-Joy, I, I feel bad that I, compare, I try to compare it to Meryl Streep. That's a little rude. But Jennifer Lawrence is probably more apt, and Jennifer Lawrence was stuck in the X-Men franchise. And, they, and even with her ex-boyfriend, Nicholas Holt, who they had a great relationship, but like J- Jennifer Lawrence did not want to make four X-Men movies you know, while she was getting paid a ton of money to do whatever she wanted to do, basically. And Anya Taylor-Joy, there, there's no way that... If you're if if you're Anya, you got to leave this right. Like even though that there's potential here for this, you, you mm. she just had a banner year this year. Yeah, like, they should just throw it to series. They should let Disney just make a series out of it. I think I don't think anyone would care if they rebooted the characters and tried it again. Yeah, I feel bad for Maisie though because I feel like this could really help Maisie <laughs> and maybe even Charlie yeah. Eaton because they're I mean, both. No, like- she's doing okay. I've 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 seen at least two good films that she's been in since. Okay, so this is the thing, people. If you want to see this movie, watch it for the actors, because I I feel like we should be rooting for them. You'll even forgive the fact that there's only one supervisor. Why why doesn't anybody else take shifts? Like, I feel like that's an easy thing. That one supervisor can throw up force fields like a motherfucker. I know, but she has to sleep, right? Like, (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of holes like that. She can do that in her sleep. (laughs) Yeah, I I know. Just not... Just not what she said. I it feel like the message the that it doesn't tank the movie. It did. It did hit its message though, because the pretty much the message is sometimes your giant demon bear just wants to know it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. Okay. That's the ending, basically. But uh, okay. <laughs> All right. I'll watch myself. Loud and clear. <laughs> loud and clear. I hit it. I did have a fine time watching yeah, it though. Like I feel like uh, both of these films were. I kind of felt similar about it. When it finished, I wasn't like, 
Oh, I just wasted an hour and a half. I didn't feel like no, that no, at no. all. It was fine. It was, also, it was fine uh, I, oh, I forgot. I mentioned earlier with this has a connection with one of our previous shows. Um, the cinematographer, Peter Deming. Uh, he was the cinematographer for, and John will recognize a few of these, Mulholland Drive. Whoa. Twin Ooh. Peaks, the new series. What, um, a lynch guy? I mean, a lynch guy? Evil Dead 2 and Capone. Capone! Wow. Yeah. And he also shot wow, the he also shot the Love Guru, which was my number one worst fucking movie of all time. Wow. What a weird spread yeah. that, guy, that guy has. Well, interesting. I'm sure there was a big part of him that was like, I think I know how to make this way creepier. Can we do that? And he was like, Nah. The mouse said we're not allowed to make it scary. So yeah, it's it's like I know. Let's <laughs> let's put them in a nappy and give them a Tommy gun. Guys, I watched watched Poltergeist when I was like six, right? It made me afraid to sleep. Like, what is up with this movie not letting it go full scary? Like, I'm not worried about a bear attacking me in the middle of the night. Like, especially because no, I mean, because there is a like I'm excited to see. I think Marvel is planning with this this reboot, the second or whatever, third, fourth generation, whatever the fuck it is at this point. Doctor Strange is supposed to be a horror movie. They're trying I mean, to switch up the genres. It is. So I feel like they missed an opportunity by like, if I was merging with Fox, if I was buying them, I would say, you know what? Let's test the waters. Let's actually see what happens with a lower budget feature horror movie. Let's see what happens. Let's not go full throttle with one of our bigger characters when I can test a, a very small market. I don't I think mean, the whole world was going to go see this movie, even if it was scary. So no, but I, was, I, I don't know why they did the, this. The, yeah. The one thing I would tell you though, that, like if this was released as kids with psychic powers being experimented on in an asylum by a 24, it would have done a lot or, better yeah. and it would have come out a lot yeah. fucking sooner. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Still right. worth watching though. If, you, if you're into this genre, if you like superhero movies, I think you'll you'll enjoy watching this one. It's not you know amazing, there's, but you'll there's still have some fun, fun stuff in there. Like it's it's not it it definitely you're not not having fun a lot of the time. Yeah, and if yeah. if you're a fan of eighties and nineties horror, there's going to be some flashbacks there for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, people. So that was the New Mutants. We'll find out pretty soon if it gets nominated for any of these uh, Razzie Awards, etc. But hopefully, everybody gets off scot free because uh, I don't know if they deserve it. But <laughs> I think that's going to wrap it up for us today. Let's go ahead and preview our next week, which I know very well to be Judas Ooh. and the Black Messiah, available now on HBO I'm looking Max. forward to this one. I'm that is going to stuff. be our, it was the best of film, Judas and the Black Messiah. I'm very, very excited about this. HBO Max. And then on Disney Plus, we're going to be talking about Mulan. That is the new one. Yeah. I love the original one, to be honest with you. But I we're going to be talking about the new one, the remake, which is uh, split. It's tor- been a year are... for Disney, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all the stuff about Mulan coming up next week. Go ahead and watch those if you want to, you know, be ahead so you can yeah, follow do along it. with watch us next it. week. And um, that's it. Signing off. 50 episodes. Woo! Congrats. Congrats.